welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello, Gavin. Hello, AJ. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, good sir? I am doing quite well, good sir. Excellent, excellent, yes. <laughs> so, here we are once again recording midweek uh, due to the holiday schedule, making sure we get episodes recorded for you. For all of our new listeners from the last couple of weeks, uh, probably people we met at LA Comic Con or so forth, uh, we usually record on the weekends, but uh, due to crazy holiday schedules, we've managed to find a pretty good time midweek that's working for both of us. Us. So it here is. we are, midweek. Nice sweet spot. Yeah, it is the sweet spot. Uh, which also, you know, sometimes on Saturdays, it's like, first of all, you're always working. It's like my, you know, kind of uh, one of my two days off with Jessica. And it's, so sometimes if we're recording right in the middle of the day, you know, it kind of makes it hard to plan any fun recreational stuff. So uh, this time has been working well. But yeah. Uh, yeah. What's new with you, good sir? Well, uh, this past weekend, I went to the the Grove Barnes and Noble for a book signing with Sean Kanan. He has his uh, fourth book out, second book in the Way of the Cobra series. Welcome to the Kumite, where uh, Aaron Vargas and his uh, and his partner girlfriend were there, and it was great to meet them. Great, or, well, meet them. We've already met, but great to meet up with them and uh, chat. We had, a, we had some good conversation and Aaron asked a stellar question okay. of Sean. Uh, specifically, he was asking uh, Sean since he was, uh, since he had been in Karate Kid and now Cobra Kai asking over the decades how fight choreography has changed. And he, in the past, uh, Sean is explained they would choreograph, uh, he would have longer longer time to choreograph and do you choreograph to his strengths uh whereas now it's a shorter amount of time to choreograph and it's just uh the type of core fight choreography that goes on now you have to know more than maybe necessarily what you learned oh absolutely and even when you yeah. look it's funny how they had so much time for training so much time for choreography so much time uh for the recording of the actual fight back in those movies yep. yet you look the at the quality of the fight scenes from back then it's kind of funny it's how the fights have gotten so much better yet it's become i mean i think that's also part of the reason why they become so much better is there's an expectation now that you have to have a certain amount of skills absolutely uh, to bring to the table but second could you imagine if with the skills that performers have nowadays with the ability to do such great previs or previsualization yeah previsualization with the fight scenes how choreography has evolved imagine if they had the same time and budget that they used to with these older pictures the oh, quality I, I of uh you know fight scenes we would have the the way the way they were spitting out uh, fight choreography on martial law is of course the except exception the TV show, but Samuel basically had two crews and one crew was working with them on one episode while the other crew was backstage on our soundstage doing the choreography for next week's fights based on the locations that they had seen and then they would that crew would crew would move up and sometimes they would have a guest star whoever was going to be the villain in that episode come in and work in the work a few days prior. But I mean, otherwise it's like the way they're pumping out fight scenes now, given that time of like that they had in the eighties to shoot, man, it'd be unbelievable. I mean, also I think one of the advancement in fight scenes now is also the, the way the camera, the core, the cinematography works, the editing works compared to in the past. Like we had talked about this in an eye for an eye of Chuck Norris's film a few weeks ago about how, the camera just wouldn't capture the full splendor of Chuck Norris's kicks. And then the editor would cut away just as what we want to see, uh, disappears from our eyes. Yeah. That's, uh, Definitely still a problem that exists today when there's a disconnect between the choreographer and the editor or the cinematographer. You know, mm -hmm. you have to have a good working relationship. And when you have these production companies that specifically focus on action films, you get these great results, most specifically, for example, 8711. But mm -hmm. there's still those issues like Scott Atkins has talked about on interviews where he now demands a certain amount of creative control when it comes to the fight scenes and stuff. Because in the past, they've been butchered by overly zealous or controlling, you know, editors and yep. or, I mean, even cinematographers and so forth and so forth. And I mean, sometimes I was just listening to or watching The Art of Action with uh, 
the interview we did with Eric Jacobus, who's uh-huh. one of the best independent martial arts filmmakers. He does a lot of motion capture stuff now. He's done choreography. I've been a fan of his pretty much since I was in college. Uh, they were on some compilation DVDs that came out. They were he, he founded the Stunt People in the Bay Area, and they pretty much formed and really started getting going right when I was, it was the end of high school, beginning of college for me. Uh, and so, anywho, he, Scott Atkins asked him straight up, mate, you know, you're incredible. Why have you stayed independent? And he said, just kind of stubbornness in the sense of he knows exactly what he wants. He mm-hmm. has the vision and he's not willing to budge at all. And you got to give him credit for that because everything yeah. he's, produced, created, delivered is fantastic. Yet at the same time, I'm sure, you know, quote unquote, Hollywood's come calling before, but he, you know, he, he has a certain vision and he will not uh, sacrifice that. There's something, put it in the hands of somebody else. There's something to be said about protecting your legacy. And so being able to like string together through your entire career, something that you're proud of, you know, so often we do see stars who have such a great legacy, but then start to, I don't know, make movies like the medallion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Silence. I, I didn't say it. I didn't, I didn't say it. Gavin I said it. How hey, dare could, you? I, I may be talking about somebody else in that how, movie. How dare you? Anthony uh, Wong. What were you thinking? Anthony Wong. Yeah. Anthony Wong. Uh, or, Oh God, what was his name? Lee. Uh, I was, that's who I was trying to think. Yeah. Of, was not it Lee Anthony Childs? Wong. Is that yes? Maybe? No, not Lee Childs. No, not Lee Childs. Not Lee Majors. Uh, something. Lee something. But anyway, well, that's that's what I was actually going to think of. Then I couldn't think of the name, so I went the other way. Yeah, it's all right. So it's okay. But no, seriously, there's a lot to be said about protecting your oh, yeah. protecting your product and your your artistic vision. But of course, sometimes that is the the low less road less traveled is uh, is not the abundant road of flowing money this is correct sometimes and scott atkins talked about that in another interview uh pretty much why well, i think it was the one with viking samurai why he ended up making hard target 2 which he had turned yes. down yes. numerous times and finally it was just the money they offered him was just too good to pass up and he has a family and you have to think about that too sometimes i mean it, he's also it also i think helped him be able to make the first accident man he said so yeah yeah, you might it's, sacrifice a little bit of artistic integrity in order to give us something even more special. And I can dig that. I can totally understand that. I mean, most uh, actors at one point or another, directors do something like that. The cop-out film or, yeah. you know. I mean, you, you make the medallion so you can make the tuxedo. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt, what were you thinking? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, actually, didn't the tuxedo come first? It, it probably did. Yeah. yeah. Geez, James Brown, what were you thinking? <laughs> okay yeah for those that forget james brown did have a cameo in the tuxedo because then um, yeah anywho uh oh man i have that on dvd somewhere my original copy i i and yes i did go I, see it in theater theaters. i was gonna say i saw both of them in the theaters yeah so did i and i still bought i so that's how i'm 99 sure the tuxedo came out first because i still bought it on dvd and then by the time the no i also bought the medallion gosh darn uh, it yeah i know this oh, i'm sure the extra features were worth were worth uh, it geez you know what i i'm a diehard jackie chan fan so, but hey let's segue hey into, into Rumble in the Bronx. Rumble no, into Rumble. what we're talking about. Well, no, let's segue into movie news. Uh, yes. This morning, the the trailer for the new Donnie and Wuxia epic, uh, I think it's mm-hmm. Sakura, came out. Uh, and if you're going to look at it from a Wuxia perspective, you know, as I've mentioned before in the past, me as an adult, I now have a clear distinction between Wuxia pictures, or Wuxia pian and Gongfu pian, so Kung Fu movies, Wuxia films, and I can now go into watching a wuxia film, knowing I'm watching a wuxia film and appreciate it and like it. And in that perspective, it looks pretty good. Uh, and I'm excited. It looks like they did a lot of actual real location uh, mm-hmm. shooting. Now, there's definitely going to be some CG. And I don't know. This is just based off the trailer. But it looks like a, a lot of uh, on-location shooting, uh, some beautiful scenery. There's definitely still some CG shots. But I'm excited for that. It doesn't look overly... For example, monster driven or creature feature driven, like some recent output from China. So that's interesting. So it'll be cool to see. And the trailer I saw was in Cantonese with Donnie Yen's oh. own voice, excuse me, own voice. So it'll be interesting to see which version gets released here. Usually, stateside, when WellGo USA releases them and stuff, we get the original intended 
uh, audio. For example, my years li- living in China, anytime a film would come out in the theaters, it was automatically the Mandarin dub. So I watched a ton yep. of Donnie Yen films from 2010 to 2016 dubbed into Mandarin where uh, I can't remember a single incident where it was still his voice. I think maybe special identity because it was in Cantonese and Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have still been his voice. I can't recall, but most of the time he's dubbed over because yes. And people are like, well, Tony speaks Mandarin. Yes, he speaks Mandarin, but he does not speak it with that, you know, Beijing official accented, uh, Hua accent. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Samo is almost always dubbed too when it's when he's speaking in Mandarin uh, throughout the entire picture. So, but anywho, trailer looks good. Uh, any martial arts news on your end? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I haven't been keeping up so much with martial art news, but I have been having a lot of fun on Twitter, uh, engaging with fellow martial art and action film fans like uh, pick a director and they'll name your favorite film had a lot of fun with that forward a couple of questions to you to help uh, get it uh, i'll forward a couple to you to get an informed and, answer and here's the funny part is i don't ignore those i spend three or four days thinking about them i same here so it's like <laughs> we, we take our time replying yeah, so we'll so get back to you i'm still working on the the question you had mentioned the best uh chong chi film or chong chi uh film and it's interesting i have a choice in mind and it's not necessarily the best overall. I do think it is one of his best, but it's more the subject matters that are tackled. He obviously had a lot of thematic elements that transcended all of his films, typically chivalry and, uh, you know, brotherhood, uh, heroic bloodshed, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there's one I have in mind where he tackles a lot of other uh, societal issues, kind of geopolitical type stuff. So that would be my pick i think so i will be giving that back to you shortly oh take your time that's uh, i I take my time with the ones that i want to field so exactly Um, yeah so not necessarily i've been a little neck deep in work over here because we have uh, some performances this weekend two performances in fact saturday and sunday so just uh Keeping my nose to the grindstone. That's the way it goes. Yeah, it's grindstone cowboy. Yes, the end of the year uh, for everybody. So it's like pretty much through this week is the busy time of year for everybody, no matter what industry you are in. Obviously, I work in media and radio. You work in uh, performing arts uh, and education. But after this week, it's pretty mellow through the new year. Like we even had our big monthly company nationwide meeting this morning and they're pretty much like, yeah, grinding till the end of the week and then kind of some much needed rest. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, do you have some movie quotes for me? Actually, since we're doing questions, uh-huh. I omitted okay. finding any quotes. Perfect. So let's go right into it. No worries. We are doing, and this was Gavin's idea, and I think this is a great uh, theme. And we have tried doing an AMA once before. I feel like now that we're building a little bit more of a following, we can start doing those again. But this is kind of a AMA between the two of us. So Gavin yeah. entitled this. Would you like to share what you decide to call this? Well, it's sort of a, a take on the the twelve on the twelfth day of Christmas, the twelve days of Christmas song, uh, the twelve questions of the Martial Arts Media Podcast. That's right. This is the twelve questions of Christmas, and rather than do twelve each, we've decided to do six each, and six yes. plus six equals uh, tw- uh twelve. That is correct. Wait. 66? Wait, right? No. Oh, you're right. You're right. 66. Wait, no. 12. It's 12. The 12 questions of Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I have some great questions for you. I think ours are going to be kind of different because obviously this is a podcast about martial arts and Mm. martial arts movies, kung fu movies, Japanese cinema, everything, everything. So it'll be interesting to see what your questions focus on, whether it's Specifically all movies or all American movies or all Kung Fu movies or uh, maybe what my questions focus on. So I'm going to let you go first since this okay. was your idea. All right. Well, my my questions slip from movies to to martial arts back to movies. So. Oh, then we took a similar approach, my friend. So the first question is. Take one Hollywood blockbuster and recast it, the whole thing or just key roles, with a martial arts star or stars to elevate it 
to the next level. Oh, I knew you. You love asking this hypothetical, but it's such a really, but it's such a fun one, right? It Uh, is. It is right out the gate. The one I'm always talking about is best of the best. I would have, and that's that is a big Hollywood picture. I would have kept Philip Reed and I would have recast everybody else. Maybe kept Eric (laughs) Roberts for star power, but star power and emotional power. Yeah. I would have uh, kept, you know, I would have replaced the character of Sonny with Keith Vitale, obviously mm-hmm. an Italian-American martial arts champion. I would have uh, replaced Sean, excuse me, Chris Penn, probably not necessarily with someone his, his same size, but maybe someone like Lauren Avedon at that Ooh. time who would have been like a bit of a hothead. Uh, and then yes. the Virgil character, uh, maybe a Virgil character I would have replaced with like a Kurt McKenney. I think he would have been very perfect. I like that. Yeah. So wow. that, that's just kind of an idea off the top of my head. Now, that's just one I've always had. Let me try to think of something new. So a blockbuster where I could recast it. Oh, wow. That is a very interesting question. You know, some pop up and then I think, sure, I could have recast that, but it was so great the way it was. Why would I want to recast it? Mm-hmm. Now, I think the mistake is automatically thinking about the protagonist and not going towards maybe an antagonist, which could have right. given us like a, a better finale or something along those lines. So let me think. And I'm just automatically going towards my childhood in the 90s and like the big, awesome movies of the 90s. But Let's see if I'm thinking martial arts in specific, what kind of movie, it doesn't have to be martial arts, but let's see here. If I could have recast something and made it, uh, do, 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 I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, don't want to take too much time on this one. Oh dear. And I'm taking lots of time, lots of time. <laughs> uh, uh, oh my gosh. Wow. It's, uh, it's, Go ahead. But I mean, like when we're thinking of films, you know, when we watch them, like we might think, oh man, it would have been great. Like I do this a lot when I watch films with like tough guys in them. I'm like, oh, you know, wouldn't it have been nice to see like Don in that smaller role, Sifu Don. Right. Or wouldn't it be nice to see Richard Norton in that role, Gary Daniels? Like as you're watching films, names pop up to you, ideas pop up to you, but like to put someone on the spot like this. Eh, it's a little different because now you're going to be on record. Yeah, that's that's true. I guess like for example, Ben Gazzara is so good in I know uh, Roadhouse, Roadhouse. But imagine if we could have cast uh, an older martial arts. No, because they would have had to do the acting. So, oh my gosh, man, this is you know I may decide to edit some of this out and just like put the Jeopardy theme music, so then we can jump straight to it <laughs> uh, off the top of my head. Okay, well, how about I hit you with a movie while you think? Okay, do, you wanna... do it, do it. Okay, so we've already talked about this one before, but Rush Hour. Right, okay, and you've, yeah, you want to recast the villain. Yeah, so who would you recast? Uh, for the purpose of what you are saying, I can't imagine a better choice than the one you're about to say. Well, no, because originally I would always say Richard Norton, but right. it is Gary Daniels. Yeah, I don't think Gary Daniels would have had the the seniority, the 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 feeling uh, of you know what I mean. Just yeah. pretty much, he wouldn't have been old enough at that point. We could they could have done the old like gray hair dye thing. So I mean, I, okay, all right, let's uh, let me. Okay, Commando. Recast oh, the villain. Perfect. That is my choice. I'm okay. stealing it from you. The Please villain do. of Commando. We obviously could have put anybody big, strong, physical, someone that could have given Arnold a good run for his money. So, uh, I mean, you could have recast him even with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, yeah. yeah That's a great that, shot. That would, that would be awesome. The, the, Thank you. could have you. had a big, tough tough guy fight scene. And that's what I was leaning towards is what kind of bigger role could I have given uh, Yeah. Dolph Lundgren uh, in another film or as a villain. Uh, I like that. That's a really good choice. Okay. I've got one of my own. Hit hit me. And I like Sandra Bullock, but recasting Sandra Bullock with Cynthia Rothrock in Demolition oh. Man. Oh, I thought you were going to say speed. No, no in Demolition <laughs> Man. And yes. remember, it was rumored for years Stallone and her were supposed to be doing a movie. And then... 
things fell through. Uh, it had, you know, this happens a lot. This happened to our sensei, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. Yeah. One production company gets bought out by another contracts get thrown away or, you know, you still get your guarantee wow. or whatever, but that uh, would be fantastic. I love both those choices. Yeah. So because I was Great. thinking, could I recast Remember, Jay, He originally wanted Jackie as the villain, but I'm like, no, Simon Phoenix is Wesley Snipes and he has He's the physicality of martial arts to pull it off. But imagine Cynthia Rothrock as Sandra Bullock's character. Yes, she has that fight scene at the end. So a, we would have gotten an even better version of that. And we could have gotten more throughout also. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that's my, that's my choice. Cynthia Rothrock in Demolition Man. They could have basically reenacted the fight from Undefeatable Horror and Stallone versus Snipes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's keep also, an eye out for you, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see you fly now, Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> but I think it, it's not completely unfathomable either right it totally yeah. makes sense at that it's point legit. where she was she was already in she was just about to hit it big through stallone so there we go that's my answer okay great choice moving on to my first question i have for you and this is definitely a bit of a personal one but uh we've kind of talked about this in the past so for you and for listeners that don't know, you spent a good chunk of your childhood in Japan, growing up in Japan. And you've talked about some of the personality traits that you attribute to your time in Japan and how it's actually made things kind of awkward. It made things kind of awkward for you sometimes when you would come back for your, your stints in America. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what is the greatest aspect of Gavin Kelly that came from growing up in Japan? And maybe what is one slightly detrimental thing you attribute to having grown up in Japan? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I would say I could answer one thing that goes both ways on that. It's uh, higher expectations. Okay. So there is a sense of like, even with my clothes purchases, like, Sometimes people give me a little bit of a hard time because I don't have like a huge closet because I'm a bit of a snob, but I expect some, I have like these high expectations for clothes that will last Mm -hmm. and are like craftsman caliber. Uh, because, you know, in Japan growing up, you, and, and even now you, you'll watch like their PBS, which is NHK, and they'll do all these documentaries on all these artisans throughout the world and even, or throughout their, throughout the country. Uh, and, uh, even they'll do like game shows on, on like toast and like who makes the toast the best. And you just, it just, there's like a 30 minute like game show, like unveiling how people are making toast and then like, the, the guest contestants vote and one side is right. And then it's the side that gets to eat the food. Um, so higher, like certain like expectations of myself and of products, uh, that I'm not trying to sound materialistic here, but you do have a certain expectation that when you buy a product, it should work. Uh, so that can be detrimental. It can also be a positive. I would say for sure one positive that from my time specifically mostly in Hiroshima is it helps me be a better listener Hmm. and it helps me uh, sometimes I don't hear right away, but it helps me reflect. So I'm used to silence a little more. So even if I don't hear someone when they tell me something right away, because you know, I want to jump in on, on the topic as well, maybe a day or two later, I real I feel like I really hear them and I go back and address the topic. That's a great question. Excellent. I I love it. I love those answers. Fantastic. Okay. So there you go, people. Now you know. All right. So this one is overlaps. So this is question number three. three. So technically three overall. (laughs) So yeah, we're going to do like the Christmas song and repeat each one. Yes. Anyway, uh, name one celebrity martial artist and one non-celebrity martial artist that you would want to train with that oh. you ha- that you haven't trained with yet i love it i love it okay fantastic uh question uh wow great question so celebrity martial artist you're talking about someone that's uh like mainstream like a movie star or something i mean i mean mainstream to us right okay of course then yeah. my celebrity one is probably going to have to be Chuck Norris. 
Oh. Because I've never trained with Chuck wow. Norris. And I think he still throws down to this day. Yeah, a lot of the, the stuff he's doing, like, you know, his partners will kind of jump with some of the throws. But he's still mm-hmm. fantastic. And I'd love to get his insight on training as you get older because he's such a stellar example of you keep in mind towards the end of walker he was in his 60s already mm-hmm. and he was still doing such a fantastic job and yeah he adjusted but he also stayed in such good shape remember he did that prison episode the prison episode is in, one of the best i think it was, one of the, it was the last season so in like the year 2000 he's 60 years old and he's jacked still and looking so jacked. good he evolved his martial arts practice as he got older so chuck norris would be my, and I'd love to hear the old school stories back in the day, man. Uh, you You, know, you you would, you would need to take a sleeping bag, ask to spend the night at his ranch. Maybe, maybe, maybe take a whole weekend and just train with him three day weekend now Four, five, five days, five days, just five five days. days. So now my non-celebrity martial artist, I would train with this is specifically for fighting purposes. Mm -hmm. There's uh, oh, there's so many that I would like the chance to train with, but, uh, and like, there's current fighters I would like to go train with a little bit. Like, you know, I've done a virtual training session with Gabriel Varga, six-time mm-hmm. world kickboxing champion, now fighting in karate combat, fighting this Saturday on karate combat. Please watch karate combat on YouTube. It's free. It's amazing. Get the word out there. But anywho, I'd love to train with him. Uh, but as far as like legends that I could still train with to this day, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's close. I'm going to cheat and give another answer. So this my second place one would be... Uh, so maybe if I'll do it, I'll do a top three, right? I would okay. love to train, and this this is kind of uh, a random one. I would, and he was just in Los Angeles, and I and I was like, oh, champ, I missed you. I'd love to train with Nicholas Pettis, who's uh, very famous. Uh, he was the last Uchideshi of Masoyama. So the last nice. live-in Very student, he did the three-year, thousand-day training, earned his black belt under Masoyama, wow. and then Masoyama passed away like two months later. Wow. Uh, he's a multi-time uh, Kyokushin champion. He was a heavyweight European champion. He fought and got really far in the world. He got gypped in the All Japan Championship, like pretty much mm-hmm. it was politics, because post-Masoyama passing away, there became a lot of politics. Like during the Masoyama era, he could have won the All Japan, even though he was a white guy. So uh, he he grew up, I want to say in Denmark. He's half Greek, like, uh, but he grew up in Denmark. And then he's now been in Japan for like the last 25 years, speaks fluent Japanese. It's crazy. Uh, he's yep. done a ton of TV shows and movies. But uh, then he, due to the politics of Kyokushin and, you know, getting screwed over and not winning the All Japan, he switched over to K1. So he was he was the original Blue-Eyed Samurai, uh, mm-hmm. even before Andy Hoog, uh, who was famous in K1. But uh, Nicholas Pettis came into K1 a little bit later, and he eventually became a K1 Grand Prix champion of Japan. So I would love to train with him for a few reasons. Just it would be awesome to train with a K1 legend and it would be awesome to train with someone so high level in Kyokushin Kai Karate who trains specifically under Masoyama. And he just seems like a badass dude. So I'd like to train with him. Number two would be Rob Kamen. Oh, OG legend. He's on my list too. Yeah, Rob Kamen helped train our coach back in the day too. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of like exchange and PD Sugarfoot went to uh, Holland to train with him mm-hmm. uh, at the famous Majiro gym and so forth. And that style was very influential in the Sugarfoot kickboxing system. And Rob Kamen is just a legend, especially younger Rob Kamen when he was lighter. I try to emulate a lot of that. So Rob Kamen yeah. would be incredible. But my number one choice to train based off my style, and there's still so much I would be able to apply now from him. Oh, that's an airplane flying over. For people that don't know, I live about 10 minutes away from Fresno Yosemite International Airport. So uh, it's extremely convenient. Once in a while, you'll get an airplane flying over. So anywho, this gentleman is a multi-time world champion in Savat, a world champion mm-hmm. in kickboxing. Uh, he's most famous for beating Roman Deckers in uh, international rules. So all kicks, all punches. Uh, but not Muay Thai, so no elbows, no knees. And that is Francois Pinocchio, an absolute mm. legend in Savat, French boxing, Boxe Francaise Savat, which is one of the early kickboxing styles that I, you know, based myself off of through my coach, Jerome Turcan, who actually fought Rob Kamen twice. Uh, but so Savat has a huge influence in the way I bounce around and move. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very agile, light on my feet, bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. That's how I got my fight name, The Rabbit. But I based a lot of my style off him because I was introduced to him through my specifically what I call my Savat coach, 
Dominique Fontana Rosa, who's based out of mm-hmm. Thailand, another world champion savat. He had me start watching him because he just the way I move naturally. He's like, you got to watch this guy. I was like, who's Francois Pinocchio? Sends him to me. Incredible. And I'd love the chance to go to France and train with him uh, because I feel like it'd be very beneficial to me as a fighter. So fantastic question. Those are my th- uh, my celebrity, Chuck Norris. And then the three would be number three, Nicholas Pettis. Number two, Rob Kamen. But the number one, Francois Pinocchio. World Excellent. Savat kickboxing champion. Okay, Excellent. good sir. Are you ready for your next question? Uh, bring it on. This is funny because it's eerily similar to the one you just asked me. Well, kind of. If you could go study martial arts anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you study? That's really, that's really difficult. That's a really good question. And let's think about it from a realistic perspective. Yeah. Uh, like you would be able to go for, let's say one to three months because really okay. like to go for a year, unless you were to uproot your life and get a new job. So we'll say like, this is an extended thing, not like a weekend, okay. not a week. We're talking a one to three month real intensive experience. So, uh, my fictional version answer would be, I'd want to go to Manila and train in a, in a gym and learn Sanshin Kata from Richard Norton or Preston Michaels. Right? That was, that was Indonesia, Indonesia. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, my, this is difficult because I didn't really get to experience Japan for that long of a period as an adult. I would go back and visit when my mother was still working there, my sister. And I found that as a, as, as someone who, well, as a writer, my time waiting for them to finish their teaching, their classes was so uh, fulfilling writing wise. I would say Japan, but I would go with Shikoku. Uh, which is that fourth island. So it's it's kind of somewhat isolated. It's the fourth country. So it's the one that's kind of parallel to the main island. And I would, uh, part of me always kind of regrets that I didn't do well enough in Aikido, but I think I would really want to just take on judo. Nice. Yeah. Good. In jiu-jitsu, yeah. Good, good choice. I like it, Thank my you very man. Much. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought about ones I also had for myself too, in a sense. And uh, you know, because for me, that question, I've, I play that hypothetical in my head all the time. And the thing is, I actually did it in real life. Like I moved. Remember, I was you know. Yeah. For listeners that don't know, I lived in Asia for almost six years. I initially moved to train and fight in Thailand, and then went to China. I was in China for almost five and a half years, and but I still have trips I want to do. It, yep. it just depends on whether I'm still competing or not. And now as I get older and I'm trying to wrap up competition, you know, I still have a few more goals. Now I'm looking more towards that trip I take when I'm done fighting where I can really focus on the artistic side. And I'm, you know, leaning towards either it would be like a grappling art, which I need to improve my grappling or the soft martial arts. Cause quite frankly, I want to do, uh, and I made a promise to my dad too, that I would do my martial arts as long as I possibly could. And I plan to do my martial arts until, the day I die. So, you know, yeah. that, that might mean focusing on a softer style martial art as I get of older. Course. I mean, Absolutely. I'll always be able to box and kickbox. You'll see me as a 90 year old shadow boxing, but yeah. I would also, it would be nice to, I'm also very into mindful meditation mm-hmm. and I, because there's so much I get from Eastern philosophy and the Zen aspect stuff that when I was younger, I couldn't handle as well, but I think about something like meditation and I would love to be able to like physically meditate through something like Tai Chi. But anyways, I just kind of started answering my own question. So thank you for that answer. Now time to ask me the next question. Okay. So my third question, which is the fifth question. That would be correct. Oh, I, uh, so you, you, you have mentioned how martial arts training has saved your life on more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd like you to expand on that a little bit because we've we've dabbled on it uh, on the podcast and in person at the LA Comic Con, but maybe this is a chance for you to talk about what it means to be a martial artist and how it has saved your life. As long as uh, you know, I know some of that actually could be very personal. Yeah, no, uh, most definitely. But I think it's something that's good to share and talk about. And one of the main things is it's helped me develop mental fortitude. I guess you could say. You know, I grew up not very. I was lacking a lot of confidence in certain aspects. I was confident in others, but lacking 
in other parts. You know, for example, I was a nerdy smart kid growing up that wasn't good at sports. I was never bullied at school or anything because I was witty and funny. That came from like, you know, being creative and this and that. I could always make people laugh. Like one of those, I was like, for example, in middle school as the valedictorian, but I was also the class clown, right? You know, I can make everybody laugh. In high school, I did theater, I did improv, I did stand-up comedy at the beginning of college. So stuff like that. But I guess I lacked that aspect of the mental strength that comes with having physical strength, if that makes sense. Mm. I wasn't good at sports. Uh, and even the ones I thought I was decent at, I was told like, no, you're not good at these. You know, you can't be doing this. The martial arts I was learning as a kid was not competitive. So I didn't get that satisfaction like other kids got. You know, we never did a single competition, no sparring, nothing mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that to satisfy that need. I never won a trophy. And there was this weird, like I would see all my friends win trophies at this and that in sports, MVP this. I never won a single trophy. And that's what I joke kind of was the mentality that was dug in there is, and why I chased a championship for so long. But it was also, you know, that transcended into college even when I got back into martial arts. So it was through when I finally decided it was after a, a bad breakup, you know, of sorts. And I was just, I was quite frankly, really down on myself. I decided I need to embrace more of, you know, the hard aspect of my life, the young, right? I'm too much yin. I'm too soft. I'm too mm -hmm. nice. Uh, and I need to embrace something a little more physical, a little harder. I was like, I, I as I joke for the first time in my life, I felt like I wanted to hit something. And mm -hmm. so that's how I got into Muay Thai and Muay Thai and kickboxing gave me that satisfaction. I'll never forget my first smoker fight. So smoker fights are unsanctioned fights pretty much. Uh, they, I think the name comes from like underground boxing matches where everybody would be smoking inside and it would get the room uh -huh. be all smoky. So when I started training in the Bay Area, the, the smoker scene was very hush-hush because the boxing commission comes down on these fights. Because you have to mention, uh, remember, some of these smoker fights are like big events. People come, buy tickets. I fought on some where it's like tickets and an audience and these are unsanctioned bounces that don't even count on your record, yet you're going out there. And I'll never forget my first one. I just got destroyed. Just physically distraught. I was covered in blood uh, fighting a, a guy that was 30 pounds heavier than me. He had already had wow. five MMA fights, but they kind of lied. They're like, oh yeah, he's never had a kickboxing fight. But he had already had five sanctioned pancreation fights, which is like an amateur MMA thing usually within uh, California at that time at least. And mm -hmm. so I just remember being so beat up and just, you know, like, oh, and physically defeated. But, you know, my coach, Jerome, telling me, you know, it's okay, you'll do better next time. And I remember thinking, wait, I can, I can do this again? And he's like, uh -huh. of course, you will get better as your first time. You, do you want to do it again? And I said, well, yeah. And for there, right there, I was like, oh, I can, I can keep working hard at this and getting better and know I'll get better, right? And it took mm -hmm. years for me, but it, it, that, that sense, that mental satisfaction that came with that, uh, of being able to improve myself. Because sometimes in life, you don't have that choice, right? The, you have yep. all these outside voices and influences putting you down. Sometimes it's because people are insecure about themselves and then they project that onto you and they take it out on you. And I've experienced that in my life as well. And so the martial arts, physical training, nobody can take that away from you. You know, what mm -hmm. you accomplish and get through that. And it still took me years to get past some of the mental blocks I had previously in my life when it came to being aggressive, when it came to, you know, really going for the finish and this and that and stuff I still work on to this day, but it's helped give me that balance in my life I didn't have before. And it's helped me a sense of satisfaction because no matter how down I'm feeling and stuff, uh, I mentioned last week, you know, not every training session is the best, but when you have a really good training session, when you've had a really crappy day and or week, that can make everything better. And it gives you that. It also gives you the ability to control your temper. I mean, I have such an outlet for aggression and this and that, that I'm able to keep my cool and my calm in a lot of situations where people can't. Yeah, I, I've seen that under, I've seen that, uh, you've, I've seen that evidenced. I don't know how to, is that the proper way to say it? I mean, hmm. like I, we, we've, we've, uh, we've been training in the ring and I've, I've seen a student who was out of control and I've seen AJ who could have responded likewise, respond with control and, uh, and help usher the situation past that moment of heat. So, uh, to break the third wall here and thank you for sharing, by the way, uh, cause that is a very personal topic. I have a hard stop of three thirty four. Oh yeah. No worries. 
Okay. We'll be, we'll be done by then. Okay. So excellent question. Now I'll move on to my next one. So, uh, what's the movie that inspired you to, to inspired you to get into martial arts? Now, and that doesn't mean training necessarily, just martial arts in general. The movie that planted that seed that I love martial arts, I am going to, this is going to be a major part of my life from this point forward. That's a really good question. It definitely, despite conversation of the medallion and the tuxedo, is a Jackie Chan film. And I think it was Winners and Sinners. Wow. Good. That's a good choice. I think it was Winners and Sinners. Just that, that scene where... Uh, it also inspired me to want to eat fried rice. That scene where Richard, Samo, Ning, Richard Ning is naked and walking around the apartment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that movie. No, my my mother loves that movie. By the way, that was that was a approved movie for the for the house. It was it's hysterical, perfect timing. But that that can be that like fast food store action yes. scene. That that's the scene for me. That's the scene I replay in my head. That's the scene. If I have someone for 30 seconds and I want to show them what a proper action sequence looks like, I show them Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung taking on a slew of uh, uh, armed robbers. You know, what's funny of the trilogy. Also, oh. also the the sequence with Jackie and Yoon Biao in the yes, park. Forget the about it. Yeah. Now, of, of the tri- the original trilogy of the Lucky Stars, not counting, you know, the, the new Lucky Stars or anything yeah. like that. Uh, it, it's hard to pick. A best one. I mean, but I will say this: I definitely think overall as a film, I like Winners and Sinners better than My Lucky Stars. It's and, it's it's a close tie with Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, but there's something special about Winners and Sinners. It it it's it's a great film that pops the comedic sequence. It actually has some the the music the the sequence where they're at the at the fair and the wine guy gets left uh, gets left and he's like looking for the girl. It's just. Uh, it's just so well Rod done. Rod Stewart's but, Young Turks, man. I love that, that song to this day yeah. because that's the the song that they're playing. The, yes. The band, uh, young hearts be free tonight. Yeah. That's uh, it's, obviously it's not Rod Stewart singing it, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's a fantastic, it's actually a fantastic film. The other ones have amazing, iconic moments, but. Winners and Sinners. So that's the film that did it for me. Great question. I also like Winners and Sinners more because they weren't, yeah, as, as, they weren't as perverted. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the only person that was, uh, yeah, yeah, Richard Ng, who was basically naked. But it's it's a great comedic sequence that yeah. I think uh, may have done it better than Peter Sellers did it in A Shot in the Dark, and uh, and Austin Powers. Oh yeah, definitely better than Austin Powers. It's at, the, it's, it's at the next level. Yeah. Uh, but wow, fantastic choice. Okay. Your next question for me, good sir. Okay. My next question. The next question is probably going to have the longest answer. So I'm going to flip that to the last okay. one. Okay. So we're going to go back to some martial arts, uh, movie stuff. What martial, what, what martial arts style do you wish would receive a f- folk, uh, film focus? So sort of like above the law has Aikido, uh, karate kid has karate, whether that's really karate or, right. you know, but, is there a martial arts that you feel hasn't received a focus in what film, what genre, what style would you like to see receive a focus? Fantastic question. And in recent years, I mean, we've had obviously Muay Thai through Ongbok, right? We yeah. had Silat uh, through The Raid and Marantau mm-hmm. and then the other Ikuas films from there in Indonesia cinema taking off. Uh, we've had some of the Filipino martial arts recently yes. in the last few years. I mean, films like Bai Bus and Maria. And uh, the John Wick films have put a big emphasis on judo and yep. like kind of sambo type stuff and grappling and this and that. So that's a really good question. Now, uh, I would like to see a return to some traditional, like real authentic Southern Chinese Kung Fu. Now, for nice. example, that was done quite successfully with Wing Chun in the Yip Man films, at least the first two. Yes. And then now there's a new Yip Man movie every month. Uh, and it's become watered down and now it's become cheesy and hokey. But initially what I thought was going to happen was, uh, when Eddie Pang starred as Wong Fei Hung in, uh, mm. Oh, what's the film legend? Uh, I, I know it film. I see the cover. Yeah. With Samuel Hung as the villain. Yes. Uh, wow. That movie, by the way, is, I got to see it in a, in a theater over here in LA. It was fantastic. It was it was definitely good. I was expecting a little bit more from it because <laughs> I wanted uh, some more kind of authentic hungar 
Uh, yes. Rise of the Legend. That's what it is. Thank you. Uh, and by, by the by the way, uh, listeners should know that if Samuel Hung's in a movie and I see it on the big screen, the review is always fantastic. Yeah. So I, I was hoping we would get an influx of like new Wong Fei Hung movies where it would mm-hmm. be like real authentic. And we kind of have out of the mainland now, like Vincent Zhao came back, to, uh, Vincent Zhao came back to play him. Uh, but it was more that Jet Li style from Once Upon a Time yes. in China, which isn't yes. like real authentic Hungar. I would love to see a return to old school style choreography where we get real authentic practitioners of the martial arts doing it. So that would be, you know, I, and I love, I think Hungar is a beautiful art. I've done three classes of it. It's not for me because it is so complex. And like yeah. a lot of Chinese martial arts, you have to spend a lifetime learning them. Uh, but I, I guess, so that would be one option. But even still, I would like to see someone really get the Filipino martial arts right in a film. I mean, yes. for example, the first Born Identity did it really well, I thought. Then the next one did the shaky camera stuff. That didn't work so well. Uh, there's been some Filipino movies that come out and they're like, By Bust had some great moments, but then also, yes. you know, some stuff was a little bit slower. Maria had some great moments. So I, I'd like mm-hmm. someone to be able to capture... You know, it's kind of hard when it comes to the weapons and stick stuff because it becomes almost a little too demonstration. You know, it it would take a lot of intricate camera work to get that right. So if I had to pick, let me pick a final, final answer. I would say my pick would be a return to authentic Chinese martial arts on the screen. So yeah, I'm going to pick Hungar. I want I a traditional it. Southern Kung Fu film like Lao Gar Lung style from Shaw yes. Brothers. I love it. Okay. I would, I'm ready to buy the ticket. Perfect. All right. So now uh, let's see here. Okay. Second to last question. Oh, no, no, no. Excuse me. For me, third to last question. Uh, okay. What's the one change you wish you could have made in your personal martial arts journey? And you kind of slightly got into this with the last martial arts question I asked you. Yes, but I would say, um, so, okay, we'll get, we'll get into it. We're going to, we're going to go deep now. Let's do it. Uh, I used to drive by the jet center when I worked at martial law and we'd go down to North Hollywood to buy food for the, for the production lunches. Right. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to stop in. I wish I had. Uh, and I also wish that, so yeah, I think I wish I would have engaged a little sooner with kickboxing uh, when I could have tested it a little more. I mean, I get to test it all the time with, you know, so I, I feel fine where I am, but it would have been nice to engage a little sooner. Uh, I think my hesitation was essentially, you know this, but like I'm a Quaker. And so I always felt like what, what does it mean to be a pacifist Mm -hmm. and what does to, to, to be a passive pacifist is someone who maybe like runs from a fight rather than being like a, a Gandhi pacifist who steps up to the fight. And I didn't realize that it would, if for me, it took a conversation with Petey, our sen, you know, our sensei, Peter Sugar from Cunningham about this uh, after like the third time I trained with him and about how I was like hesitant to actually engage. And he said, well, this was about uh, preparing my mind and my body but I still don't have to just because I'm doing that doesn't mean I have to engage in violence. And like talking to him uh, really opened the door for me. So to answer your question specifically, I wish I had jumped into kickboxing sooner rather than having the hesitation because I thought it was spiritually not in line with what I wanted to be. Fantastic. So there you go. Fantastic answer. Very deep. That's a great I question. I won't make a joke about uh, Quaker go rights. ahead and yeah, pass a fist <laughs> to their face. <laughs> okay. All right. Next question for me. Next question. This was going to be the last question. And you know what? It's still going to be. So I'm going to go to that one I skipped. Okay. Uh, so uh, Energy Saver just turned on on my computer. Let me make sure this is properly uh, plugged in, but I'm going to ask the question first. Okay. What does a day in the life look like for AJ specifically? Let's talk about how you're waking up, how you're training. Cause I find your discipline to be highly inspirational 
and motivational. So if you could speak to that a little bit, I'm going to maybe you want to pause before you sure. answer because I'm going to hit the mute button. Sounds good. Okay, so a day in the life of AJ. Excellent question. So yeah, I've, I'm very regimented. Uh, so for me, it's always, I go to bed. So it starts the night before because I always try to be in bed by a certain time depending on what time I have to wake up. So 99% of the time, my bedtime is 9 p.m. I like to be in bed, lights out, 9 p.m. Realistically, it's usually lights out. It's officially we're going to bed at 9.30. But uh, and so my requirement is always, as I said, eight hours of sleep. So I have to be able to sleep in until 5.30 if that's the situation. If I have to get up at five, then it's mandatory. I'm in bed at like 8.45, lights out at nine. So that's huge. Sleep is absolutely essential. And that's what helps me be able to do the lifestyle that I do. So pretty much I have my coffee made the night before. I try to have all my gym bag, my work clothes, everything packed the night before. Most time already in my car. I wake up first thing, go downstairs. I'll drink, for example, whatever kind of uh, first thing in the morning drink I have right now. It's an Organifi green drink. And I also pour my coffee. I have one cup of coffee, uh, black, nothing in it. I'll go upstairs and sit in my massage chair for 15 minutes, just kind of helps loosen me up, gives me a chance to drink my coffee, you know, wake up a little bit. Uh, and if I've had the full night of sleep, th- that 15 minutes is all I need. I'm good to go as soon as I get up out of that chair, but it's nice. It loosens me up. I check emails, you know, I'll do a quick check of social media. I try not to be on there for too long. You know, maybe if there's a new YouTube video up of uh, someone that inspires me, or maybe if I need that a little extra inspiration, I may watch a training video or something. Uh, then I go from there. I go straight to the gym, warm up, do my stretches, my prehab, and I do a workout. My workouts are always not counting stretching in the warm-up part, at least one hour, high intensity, one hour, depending what it is, circuit training, uh, weightlifting, whether I'm doing self-kickboxing training. So from there, I'll go to work. And once again, I meal prep on the weekend. So uh, I have a post-workout shake. I will make that before I leave the house. I forgot to mention that. That's my first meal of the day. Then I have pre-made lunches and dinners that I make on Sundays. So I'll have my pre-made lunch at work during my lunch break, finish the rest of the workday. Then usually I have either hot yoga or kickboxing. That's like four out of five days during the week. Uh, And then I go and do that. And then when I'm home in the evening, usually I have an hour or two to spend with Jessica before that bedtime. And then on the weekends, I keep a pretty, uh, Saturday is still pretty similar, but a little more lax than Sunday is my rest day. And so that's the thing. You've got to get in a regular routine. You've got to be willing to meal prep, pack everything the night before, go to bed on time, eat a healthy diet, avoid like during Monday through Friday, no alcohol whatsoever. I'm not a big alcohol drinker anyways, but no alcohol and no junk food. Uh, and on the weekends, I still try to avoid junk food, even on a cheat day. If I'm going to cheat, I don't want it to be junk food per se. So, you know, you got to have a good diet, good sleep, good training regimen, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of what a daily, a day in the life of AJ looks like. Now, if I was to be getting ready for a fight, that would step up a little bit. So for example, right now, I have to make mm-hmm. sure I go to kickboxing class like three days a week. Uh, and then I do one day of self-training pretty much. So I always make sure I do, you know, like three to four days of martial arts training outside of my other physical conditioning. But if I'm getting ready for a fight, then it's going to up to four to five days like in class. Uh, and then things will change. My diet's going to change slightly. You know, it's going to be a little more... I'm already super strict, but then it's going to be super strict on what I'm putting in my body, but I might actually be eating more calories at first, you know, before it's time to cut weight. So those are my key things. You've got a meal prep. You've got to have and the night before. The night before is what starts the day off to success. Good sleep, like that. good diet, preparation, consistency. There are no days that you take off. If you're, that's another thing. I haven't skipped a workout workout, like morning workout, you know, because I work out six days a week. I haven't skipped a single workout since I probably counting 17, but since I was 18 years old, I've never skipped a workout, not once. And I know people, this bullshit. No, I've only ever had to miss a workout. I got bronchitis once when I was like 23, I missed two days. Uh, And then sometimes when I've been traveling, you know, especially to Asia, but I'll plan it. I'll work out like seven days in a row. So then I can take off what would have to be like two days in a row if that's the thing. But I've never skipped work. I've never got up and just been like, oh, I'm not gonna work out today. I've always done my workouts. You have to stay consistent. That's the championship mentality. And that's what a lot of people don't. And the funny part is it's friends and families that'll, that'll give you crap. Oh, you can just take off one day. I'm like, no, I can't because yeah, that's it's, not it's, discipline. And it's, I have it's, a certain a amount sl- of discipline I bring. It's an absolute, it's absolutely true. It's a slippery slope. You take one day off, yep. it can slide. It, yep. It's, and it's, you know, it's, uh, well, I really appreciate you sharing all that. It is inspirational. And, you know, there's a reason why, uh, listeners 
those who are at the LA Comic Con understand why AJ can wear a size small T-shirt. It's right because I have he takes care of himself. Yeah. I I also have a freakishly like kind of tiny torso, but uh, which is you know help for I'm naturally very skinny too. So and that's why I grew up naturally skinny, and I always wanted to be bigger. I got bigger, then I realized okay, bigger doesn't work for me. Now I I, I now I'm svelte, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a lean, mean fighting machine, as I uh, might jokingly say. Now that's sometimes you may wake up and may not have the same capability to do what your quote unquote planned workout was, but I will right. still uh, always get to the gym i may modify it but i'm always going to train i'm always going to work out even if that means or for you i'm saying if you just have to go walk on the treadmill for an hour then go walk on the treadmill for an hour do it get yourself in there there's no excuse unless you are sick if you're sick yes then you have to take those days off and as i've gotten older as i said i well at that one point with bronchitis but i've been lucky that you know, I haven't had to take a day off of it. Like, cause I've been sick and what will I do? I'll go for a walk. Right. Exactly. But I never take, and you know, I'm talking about a real walk, you know, like over an hour and this and that, but from, from, from the, from the couch to the, to the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But no, really, I, even then yeah. I can't think of a real time I had to take off actual training. So yep. That's uh that's what a day to day in the life of AJ looks like. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. So uh, okay, so my last two questions uh, are actually kind of similar. I meant to switch up the order, but I forgot. So here we go. Uh, what's the one announced or supposed film that never got made that you wish had? Oh, wow. So especially back in the day, like, and you'll see these things okay, floating I, around I, online where it's in the, you know, the con film festival in the eighties, people would try to get funding for movies, right? So they yes. bring their pitch work, you know, the poster and this and that, and they'll float around it, the internet now and, uh, movies never got made or they were supposed to. So what's the best or what's the one film that had been announced or even got to production point or whatever. It, it's very simple, very okay. easy for me. Uh, it's the Nick Cage Superman. Oh yeah. yeah. Good choice. I, I, it's, it's, uh, there's so many others that I can think of that almost were made. And it's like, they kind of like morph into this big film that could have, would have been, I feel like there was one film that Sifu Don told me about once that uh-huh. he had been working on. I would have loved to have seen, uh, him on the screen again. Uh, he is, he is, uh, he is quite, uh, the presence on, on screen. Uh, and in person. However, you bring that topic up. The first thing that comes to my mind is Nick Cage, Superman, which we had seen it in the pre-internet age. And yes, the internet was around then obviously, but in the real, like nowadays, social media age, that was probably the biggest one that had mainstream exposure, right? Like that was on like entertainment tonight and stuff. And it just kind of fell through the, the funny part is you brought up winners and sinners earlier. That's one that I've seen the stills and the posters for was they actually started making a direct sequel to winners and sinners. Oh, and you can find some of the artwork and pictures from it. And nobody knows what really happened to it. If it got scrapped or if some of it just got used for my lucky stars and, or if it did become my lucky stars or, but supposedly they started filming an actual like winners and sinners too. And so that would have been an interesting, interesting one. And even a few years ago, they started shooting a new lucky stars movie with Samo. And then there was pictures of him walking around the set and he had like the bull cut. And then what happened to that? Nobody knows. (laughs) So I don't know. It's cursed, but all right, there we go. Uh, fantastic answer. Okay. Your last question for me. My last question. Uh, Thomas Ian Griffith reaches out to you Mm -hmm. and asks you to executive produce, produce, and specifically cast an Expendables type film with straight to video stars and Hong Kong stars. Who do you cast? And also, I don't know why Thomas Ian Griffith is the one reaching out to you about this. Well, so forget that part. But, okay. But hey, you know what? Because he's a talented writer and filmmaker. Right. So I'm going to exclude him from actually being in it simply because he's done so good as Terry Silver recently. I need some time to a break from that. Otherwise, I'm just going to be thinking of him as Terry Silver as a villain. Now, uh, for this, it's kind of hard, though, to combine Hong Kong with the straight to video guys. And for years, Cynthia Rothrock's been talking about trying to get a film together like this. Don the Dragon's talked about it. They've all talked about it. And yeah. quite honestly, with the straight to video stars, I think, you know, I think they're kind of past they're past the ability to give us a good feature. Yeah, uh, but and- it. it- if like you're going or you could actually you know what go the direction you're going. I think I know where you're going. I like it. 
I don't know where I'm going. I, I didn't really okay. have a... <laughs> okay. I mean, you could say prime people from them. I'm just thinking like, who are like, who's your expendable cast? But maybe... Okay. So like, if, if I can make one nowadays and I would have the choice of the right choreographer and, you know, filmmaker, and I'm not, I'm not going to bother doing a Hong Kong one because yeah, you know there's hard. not yeah it's kind of and there's hard. also eastern condors yeah exactly so you know i would pick guys that i know can still move olivier gruner can still move fantastically Very and super nice. fast uh so i would i would have him in there i mean i think it's hard not to have don the dragon uh in there and once again the thing is don the dragon will hit the bag he posts videos of him kickboxing and he totally <laughs> still has the physical skills to do it too he just needs to work with the right choreographer so i would definitely have don the dragon olivier gruner cynthia rothrock still has the martial arts abilities once again i would need someone in there though to take away some of the creative control from these stars because unfortunately they sometimes don't do themselves as much justice as they should. You know what I mean? You're very, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. So I would, I would have a filmmaker in there. That's like, look, I'm going to make you guys look the best you can, but I'm the boss. What I says, I say goes, etc. Lauren Avedon is still fantastic. I saw him do a little stunt reel. Maybe it was pre COVID. So God, that's like three years ago now where he can still move incredibly. So I definitely have Lauren Avedon in there. Uh, So that's four. Let me pick one more for a straight to video star i think jeff wincott would be great in like a a villain role i was gonna say in a villain role jeff wincott for the villain most definitely i think jeff speakman still has some things he can do he doesn't necessarily have the same physique that he once had but i would definitely like jeff speakman in there so there we go olivier gruner don the dragon wilson cynthia rothrock lauren avidon and jeff speakman there's my uh straight to video expendables with all of them facing off against Jeff Wincott. Jeff Wincott and, you know, some classic villains from that area, uh, excuse me, from those films also brought in, right? I mean, Matisse yeah. Hughes is still in really good shape. Oh, <laughs> yes, he is. And funny thing, I just he was just on Twitter and he's uh, teaching acting, like how to become an action star. Nice. But S- Sifu Don oh. would also be like probably the main oh, yeah. henchman. He'd have to be. He'd have to be. Because he's just still physically so imposing. I'd love to see that. Okay, so there's my answer. Uh, I love it. Now we have just enough time for me to ask you the last question. Hit me. If you could have one martial arts movie of your choosing made today, what would it be? Okay, so a martial arts movie made today so it, it could be a new one mm-hmm. so pretty much this would be any film okay. like right now uh, that you could have made it could star anybody but it's right now okay i dang it i i it has to be something with samo first mm-hmm. and foremost okay so i'm i'm extremely biased it has to be samo and it uh I'm going to go with one of my old scripts that I wrote during a period of unemployment between uh, TV and film shoots as I was contemplating retiring from that uh, industry. Wonton Jazz, trademarked. I think I turned the script into the WGA, so don't try to steal it, anybody. Or if you do, just just let me come on the let me come on the set. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Wonton Jazz, it stars. it was written for Samuel Hong. He immigrated to Australia uh, and he was a chef. Uh, he always wanted to come to America. He loves jazz. He is uh, the person who sponsors his visas. Oh, it's played by Richard Norton. Uh, Richard Norton loves his cooking, wants to freeze dry his noodles and sell them. Uh, Samuel doesn't want to do that. Samuel immigrates illegally to the States, has a starts working in a restaurant in Chinatown, USA. Oh, it happens to be Fu Chow because that's where I placed it uh, from rush hour. Uh, anyway, he runs the place. If a jet, he has a jazz set up like a piano, bass, drum kit, drum kit. If anyone comes in, uh, if a jazz musician comes in, they play, they get food for free. Jazz musician just kind of flow in because his food is so good. Of course, LA times or downbeat, covers it richard norton sees the article comes to america and has a contract for him like i will get you deported or you're going to make freeze dried noodles for me and they have a uh, final fight in a warehouse that's what i wrote i'd watch that in a heartbeat 
Thank you very much. I love it. Awesome. No, I mean, for, for me, and I think that's great. I think you've told me about this script before, and I think that's a lot of fun. For me, the, the main thing in my mind is I'd want one last film, once again, done correctly, and probably mm-hmm. actually out of the control of maybe even their hands to be made yeah. correctly, but would be a final film with the with the three dragons, you and Biao, Jackie, oh. and Sammo. Not a direct sequel to any of them, because I'd I like want it, it to be kind of like the film The Gallants from like 10 years ago that was Bruce Leung. Uh, yes. And, uh, uh, Chen Quan Tai, I believe, was the co-star of it. And it's been so long since I've seen it. But it's about pretty much two old-ass kung fu masters and uh, teaching a young student. It's, it's, that one's more of a kind of slapstick comedy-esque. But the fight scenes in that with like Bruce Leung were just still so good. And I'd like to see a similar thing, like three old masters that have to kind of step out of retirement. Uh-huh. I don't want them doubled either. I want it to be them doing the action. Thank so, you. Yeah, it Thank would have you. to be handled the right way you know uh and the choreography could be taken down like hey you know they're using a lot of like straightforward wing chun type stuff or low line kicks or whatever but i still think sh- we could get a really good film with comedy in it but yes also I love, drama and like a real I, story i love that i i for so often when i've seen uh our our the people that we love age on film it's bothered me when they like try to play younger because yes. what they're doing at their age is remarkable. That's why, that's why, of course, the bodyguard with Samuel Hung, I think is fantastic. I know there's some, you know, interesting elements to the film, but I love seeing him out of breath and the, and the dementia that he's going through as he's fighting there there is this element of this feels real and the type of martial arts he's usually utilizing yes. it's supposed to be military based right but it's a lot of chin na or people yeah. i don't know it's like joint manipulation kind of like aikido and so forth like kind of police tactical stuff so he's using like chin na and what would be like shui jiao like sweeps and throws like chinese kind of wrestling type stuff which works that's and even jackie utilized uh, a lot of stuff similar to that in police story lockdown like a decade yes. ago so i think yes. that would be the route of the choreography so yeah awesome we got through this the was 12 great. questions right in just time in for, time yeah just in time for your meeting so fantastic episode right on thanks my for man. the questions thanks for the answers yeah thank you that for was you. fun yeah that was a lot of fun so this will not be the last episode of the year but this will come out uh the week before christmas so we hope you enjoy We'll be back for an end of year recap type episode. And on that note, I bid you adieu, my friend. All right. I'll see you later. Peace. Bye.